uh, few months that we've been studying through this book, you know and you remember that Peter is addressing a, a group of Christians scattered that, that are going to go through great tribulation, great persecution, great suffering, great difficulty. And I'm not talking about their car won't start or the air conditioner went out. I'm talking about they are going to be persecuted for their faith. They're going to be losing their jobs because of their faith. They're going to be uh, uh, killed and martyred for their faith. Uh, we, we really, in America, we, we, we don't understand the concept of suffering for our faith. We really don't. Uh, uh, but there are nations on, on this planet who have Christians in it that are living, that are going through great tribulation because of their faith. Their families are being torn from them. Uh, their, their lives are being taken simply because they named the name of Christ. Now, I don't know. I don't know exactly what the future is going to hold for our country before Jesus comes back. I do know, I do know that uh, uh, the Lord says in his word that perilous times will come. And perilous means dangerous. It means dangerous. Uh, and we, we are going to face some difficult hours. But until then... Until then, we need to study, and we need to learn, and we need to see what we need to do to be ready for this. Because this letter is basically preparing these people for the fiery trial which is to come. If that makes sense, say amen. Okay, here in this last chapter, he is finishing up his letter, and he's kind of given uh, last-minute instructions, and, and, he's, and he's addressing and talking about three different groups or three different uh, personnel in the church. One is the leadership. The other is the laity. And the, who's, who's the laity? Those in the pew. You have the, the, the pulpit and the pew. He's addressing both of them. And then he talks about the Lord. He talks about the Lord and His purpose and what He has for us. So uh, every church is made up of the leader, the laity, and the Lord. Say amen. you got to have all three. Uh, uh, if, if you didn't have me, you'd be in bad shape. If I didn't have you, it'd be a quiet place around here. I need you, and you need me. And we both are in desperate need of the Lord. I could be here, and you could be here, and the Lord not be here, and we wasted our time. All we've had is a community get-together. Without the Lord, and listen, uh, a pulpit doesn't make it God's house. Views don't make it God's house. A platform doesn't make it God's house. A steeple doesn't make it God's house. You say, what makes it God's house? When he shows up. Listen, we can have God's house at the Civic Center. We can have God's house at the Creek Bank. Where two or three are gathered in my name. Somebody say amen right there. We need the Lord. And so we're going to address these three issues, these three different groups here, if you will, today. Uh, look in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 1. Verse number 1, are you there? It says, The elders which are among you I exhort who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Feed the flock of God which is among you. So he's given reference to God's people as sheep. Sheep. They are a flock. He says, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. In other words, not for money, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear. I, I'm not the chief shepherd. I'm the under shepherd. There's a shepherd above me. 
Are y'all with me? Say amen. And he's called the chief shepherd. He's called the good shepherd. And he's called the great shepherd. Are y'all with me? It says, when he shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, likewise, he says, I got something to say to all the rest of you. Ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you, say it with me. All of you. Be subject one to another. What does that mean? There doesn't need to be worship wars in the house of the Lord. There doesn't need to be arguments over the young people and the older people about what kind of music to have. There needs to be a mutual working together and a mutual subjection to each other, working together for the same cause. Are y'all with me? So how are we going to get that? Because it doesn't seem like there's much of that in the church today. It says, be clothed with... That's how. That's how. Clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud... And he giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Say amen. I want to preach right there, but I'm going to get to it in a minute. Amen. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil... As a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. In other words, he's saying, don't think you're the only one going through what you're going through. Isn't it easy to, to have a pity party thinking you're the only one that had a problem in your life? And you're the only one that's faced what you're facing? Guess what, honey? There's all kind of people going through what you're going through. He says, hang in there. Hang in there. But the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Verse 11. To him, read it with me. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for your blessings. Bless your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. You may be seated. You may be seated. Peter begins with leadership. And, And rightly so. Rightly so he should. It's been said, I, I, I don't know who quoted it first. I've, I've seen it attributed to a lot of people. Uh, but I don't know who quoted it first, but whoever quoted it first said it right. And I'm, I'm past my rug. Say, amen. Let me, let me get back over here. <clears throat> uh, everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Do you know when they go into a company, when you have companies that you've seen this, this is, their job is to go in and fix a problem company. Are y'all with me? They'll go into motels or they'll go into restaurants or they'll go into whatever and they will go in and try to fix what the deal is. Uh, do you realize that most of those, the first thing they will do when they go into a motel or they go into a, 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 a whatever the, it is that they're trying to repair and fix, the first thing they do is fire all the leadership. 
And the reason that they do that is because if the leadership was what it should have been, they would never be in that shape to begin with. And so everything rises and falls on leadership. If it goes good, it's leadership. If it goes bad, it's leadership. We are in desperate need of real leadership. Churches are falling apart because of a lack of leadership. Homes are falling apart because of a lack of leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. The first person he addresses is the elders. Now, if you do your Bible study, you'll recognize that there's three words that are synonymous for the same office. Elder, bishop, and pastor. It's the same office. They represent a basic different responsibility that they have of overseeing, or excuse me, overseeing, over, uh, uh, watching over the flock, feeding the flock, protecting the flock. And here, the, the main responsibility that they have, and I, I'm going to give you four. I'm kind of going old school with this today. Um, the way I used to do outlines a long time ago is just the way I studied it for this particular reason. So first we have leadership. And there's four things under leadership he addresses in this particular chapter. And the first thing is their responsibility. Their main primary responsibility. And that is to lead and feed. Lead and feed. Look what he says in this verse. The Bible says in verse number 2, he says, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. Taking the oversight thereof. That's leadership. That's leadership. So a, 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 an elder, a pastor, a bishop, his primary responsibility is to lead and feed. Say that with me. Lead and feed. Say it again. Listen, it is his responsibility to take God's Word and open God's Word and make it easy to understand. Make it easy to digest. Take it and receive it and apply it to their life. Lead and feed. And I'm saying this for a reason. Because the American church has done a terrible job of making the pastor out to be something he was not designed to do and he was not supposed to do according to God's Word. The pastor has now has to be a referee. He has to be a lawyer. He has to be a plumber. He has to be... You say, how do you know all this stuff? I wore them all. <clears throat> I wore them all. And, and that's, hey, that's fine. But don't get upset with him when your, your meal is not very nutritious. Well, I tell you, I'm, I'm just not getting much out of the preacher's... Well, that's because you had him doing all kind of other junk he shouldn't have been doing to begin with. Now, let me say this. This is for all those out there. Y'all allow me to do what I need to do. I'm happy where I'm at. This has nothing to do. I'm just preaching the books. Amen. Because we are heard by tons of tons of people in, in all kinds of states they hear this. And I need the pastors to hear this. Lead and feed. Don't let anything take you away from your primary responsibility. If you get to do that other stuff, fine. But don't. Don't shuck your study time. Don't let anything interfere with that. Because the sheep need nutrition. The sheep need God's Word. He says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And it is your job to take God's Word, study God's Word, apply God's Word, and make it so everybody, put it on the lowest shelf so everybody can understand what you say it. I don't care how smart you are. If they don't understand what you're saying, you're wasting your and their time. Amen. I know I should talk a little smarter than I am, but I, it just is what it is. I am what I am, and you love me anyway. Say amen. Amen. 
I'm going to just get it all out in the first of the year and I won't have to deal with it again. Say amen. It's got to be understood. You've got to lead and feed. You have to lead. A leader doesn't take consensus. A leader doesn't take a poll for what direction. A leader goes to God and says, where do we need to go? What do we need to do? He says, take the oversight. Don't ask for it. Take the oversight. Lead. Somebody say amen. amen. We have a responsibility, not just to lead and feed. But the second thing, look what it says. <clears throat> it says, feed the flock of God which is among you. Take the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. Not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre. He says we see their motivation. Not just their responsibility, but he, he speaks about their motivation. Why do you do what you do? Somebody said, how did you choose your career? And all I could do was laugh. <laughs> Dr. Lee, where are you at? I seen you in here. I seen you. Stand up. Stand up. That's what I wanted to be right there. I wanted to be a veterinarian. They don't talk back. And they take the medicine you give them. I want to be a veterinarian. I love dogs. I've always loved dogs. I've always been that type of person. And that's what I wanted to be. But God says, no. You see, this is not something that you choose. It's something that chooses you. The reason we have so many pitiful churches is because we've got so many pitiful preachers. They shouldn't be preachers at all. They should be veterinarians. No offense, Shane. No offense. Why are you doing what you do it? Does somebody have to constrain you to do this? Nobody has to beg me to do this. Nobody has to plead me to do this. He's dealing with laziness in the ministry right here. Listen, this is something that is burning in my soul. This is something that is down deep on the inside. I don't have to do this. I did this way before I ever got paid for it. Amen. And you don't do it for the money. Amen. You don't do it for the money. Jeff Robertson, if he was in here, he's down with his class right now. You can ask him. It was in his truck. He said, do you want to know what the salary is? I said, no. I don't know what, I, I, I move from there to here. I don't want to know what it is. If God wants me here, he'll take care of me. And it's always been that way. Always been that way. And listen, hold up, hold up. That's not, that's not what this is for. Listen, you can tell people who are in it for the money. You say, how can you tell who's in it for the money? Is they will be careful what they say. They won't preach the truth. They won't ruffle feathers. Listen, they will tell people what they want to hear. They'll tell you how to have your best day now. But you take a Bible and you preach the truth. It's going to curl some hair. Because everybody's not living by it. And everybody's not going by it. And if you're going to determine your message by who you're preaching to, you need to quit. Amen. And I know y'all are on the other side of this thing. I'm just preaching to the preachers in here. The preachers, there might be preaching to the people that are watching on the Internet. Say amen. amen. Don't do it for the money. Don't do it. Don't do it for what you think you can get out of it. Amen. Because there's a greater reward coming one day. Yeah. What is your motivation and guys, you young guys, some of y'all in this, I seen you over there a while ago. What's your motivation for doing this? 
Because if you're doing this because you think, because see, everybody, most of the time they just see this and they think it's glorified. Oh, you get to stand in front of them. That's overrated, people. (laughs) If God did not call you to this, if you can do anything else in this world, go do it. Because it's just too hard. Don't do it for the money. He says, don't do it for constraint. Don't be forced to do it. Do it because you want to do it. Do it because you can't help but do it. Do it as the prophet said. I was going to be quiet. I wasn't going to preach anymore. He said, but there was a fire shut up in my bones and I could not stay. You get people, you get people slow down enough, I don't care where I'm at. I can preach. I don't need no church. I don't need no pulpit. I've preached in the woods coon hunting before. Wide open and had an invitation and got somebody saved. Say amen. This year, you don't blame me? This gentleman, y- y'all remember when y'all remember when Obama was first being elected and it was going around the internet that he was the Antichrist? Y'all remember that? This young man, he I, I was minding my own business, coon hunting. I was off the clock. Say amen. And he said, Preacher, you think Obama's the Antichrist? That was just an invitation. I said, no, I don't think so. I don't like him, and I'm not voting for him, but he's not the Antichrist. And I started with Revelation chapter 1. <clears throat> and by the time I got to chapter 7, his eyes were that big around. And when we rolled on into the great white throne judgment, his eyes were that big around. And when I got through, he said, preacher, you had to be at church to save somebody. I said, no. He said, save me now. I said, ho, ho, ho. I said, I can't save you, but I can tell you who can. Four redneck coon hunters on the ground, dogs barking there. Oh, 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 oh. And we praying and getting somebody saved. It don't matter. Listen, I could break out in a Chinese restaurant. Say amen. You know why? It's in me. And I can't help it. I can't help it. Listen. You, the only way this is, is you're going to make this deal is if you can't help it, if you got to. I'll be honest with you, and I don't want to do this because I'll cry, but I remember when I resigned Long Branch. And I'll be honest with you, it was a relief. I was like, Phew. I don't have to put up nobody's whining, no more griping and complaining about everything, no more this or that, now. About two weeks into that, man, I'd be in church, and I know when the last song was. And when the last song, right before the preaching, boy, my whole knee would get to patting. Because I knew that had been the time that I'm supposed to get up and share God's word. And boy, it just it killed me, because I want to preach so bad. And it was in me. I'm telling you, if you don't have that, you don't need to be here. If you don't have that, you don't need to be in the pulpit. If that's not there, if they got to beg you, if you got to have a salary, if somebody's got to pay you a check, stay home. This world is going to hell, and we need men who will be leaders, who will do it, hell or high water. Do it if they like it or not. Do it if they get paid or not. Do it no matter what. Do what God's called you to do. He addresses their motivation Not only that, and this is big, this is big. He addresses their practice. 
how they do what they do. Now, there's a lot of preachers that need to quit because they are dictators and not leaders. He says this. Look what it says. Look what it says. Look in your, look in your Bible. Look in your Bible. He says, you're not a Lord over God's heritage. You are not their Lord. You are not their God. You are their example. You don't lead from the back. Sheep are not driven. Sheep are led. The shepherd doesn't say go. The shepherd says come. It's going to be hard, guys. I'm going to tell you now. You don't drive sheep. You lead sheep. Sheep are led by example. You don't send people up a ladder you're not willing to climb or you're not already up to the top of it. I grew, I grew up in a movement. I grew up in a movement where there was, this was not the case. They walked around like they were gods and they walked around and looked down at everybody. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. Before I even knew my Bible like I know my Bible, I had no sense to know that wasn't right. I cannot stand arrogance. I may just be a country boy who don't have the English language down very good, but I'm telling you what, I'd rather be an ignorant country boy than a highfalutin snob. Can't stand arrogance. I don't care if you know more than me. That's fine. That's fine. I, I don't have no issue with that whatsoever. But don't walk around and, and look down at everybody. Dr. E.V. Hill, Dr. E.V. Hill was a great black man of God. I'm talking about an incredible preacher. I love to hear him preach. You know what his father told him? He said, son, you need to go to school so people won't look down on you. And then when you're through with that, you need to go for some more so you won't look down on nobody. And that's good. Guys, you, you, you leaders that's going out, that's going out to lead the teams out there at, at, at Fairview, don't, don't, don't be no Lord. They're not your sheep. You're to be an example. You know what? I'll be honest with you. That was a great day in my ministry when I figured that out. That I didn't have to make you do anything. If you was being stupid, that's God's going to get you. I have a situation right now. There is a church in South Carolina where one of the members, one of the members, he, he, he just been coming, just been coming, and, and, and was really enjoying church, hadn't been, hadn't been very faithful. Just, if he's either not saved or a very, very babe in Christ. The preacher saw a, a, a case of beer in his uh, buggy, or cart, whatever you call it. In the South, we call it a buggy. If you're in North Alabama, you call it a cart. Amen, but it's a buggy. <clears throat> So that preacher preached on it just about every week. So you know what he was doing? He was not preaching to anybody. He was preaching at somebody. You know what he didn't understand? He's not the Holy Ghost. That's none of his business. Now, if, if this is a, somebody in a leadership position, and that's a whole different story. you got to address things, but somebody... Listen, you're not God. 
Let the Word of God do the work. Just preach through. I can preach on something way over here in the Bible, and it can bust you in the eye over here. That's the Holy Spirit. Be an example. Be an, look, let me give you a verse. Let me give you a verse. It says this in, in, in 1 Timothy 4, 12. Let no man despise thy youth. But be thou an example of the believers. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. He's a young preacher leading an established congregation. He says, be an example in word, in conversation, which means behavior, in charity, that means love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. In other words, just walk in front of them what you want them to be. Does that make sense? Titus, he says the same thing. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, and that it says that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say to you. What's he saying to Titus? Just be the pattern in front of them. Let the word of God and let the Holy Spirit mold them into what he wants them to be, and you do right in front of them. Pattern, example. Are y'all with me? Man, we need that in the house of God today. Listen, not only... <laughs> I'm going to get so much hate mail after this. Amen. Responsibility, their motivation, their, their pattern, their practice, the way they do things. And then it says this, verse number four. Verse number four. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. He speaks of their reward. Let me say this <clears throat> to all you preachers in the house and leaders in the house. Uh, your job is very difficult. You're going to have to love people who won't love you back. You're going to have to instruct people and counsel people who will go out and do the opposite of what you tell them to do and then get mad at you because what you said didn't work out. You're, you're going to have to go and you're going to have to help people with bills and then them turn around and, and, and badmouth the church and say, the church never done nothing for me. I want to say, well, send that money back. <clears throat> I can't do that, but that's what I want to do. You're going to have to deal with people who have very short memories. You have to deal with people who care about their family, but they don't care about your family because they want you to miss everything with your family to be with their family. Uh -huh. But guess what? It's all good. Well, preacher, we don't get no appreciation. It's all good because that's not why you're doing it. You're doing it because one day the chief shepherd is going to appear and you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. If you're doing it for what you get down here, you already got it. You already got it. You, you got your recognition. But one day you're going to have a reward. And listen, all you leaders that are going to Fairview, all you leaders that are here at Temple, you, you, you're, you're going to feel unappreciated sometimes. You're not. You're not. These people love you and they appreciate you. But sometimes the devil will get in your head and make you feel like you ain't. But that's fine. That's fine. Because one day, the Lord's coming back. Amen. And one day, the one who called you to this yeah. is going to bless you for this. Amen. And all God's people say it. Amen. Now that I've just made all the preachers mad, how about the people? Let's start with y'all. <laughs> how many of y'all believe real leadership is vital to the American church? Amen. It's vital. Well, guess what? How many of y'all believe somebody's got to lead? Come on now, you getting don't get quiet. I know I'm fixing to get on y'all, but don't don't slow down now. How many of y'all believe somebody's got to lead? Amen. You know what that means? Somebody's got to follow. Amen. Somebody's got to follow. Look what he says in the next verse. 
He says, likewise, likewise. Verse 5, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Two verses to cover what he's trying to tell you. First we dealt with the leadership, now we deal with the laity. And, and, and the laity is just a term used for those in the pew, those who are, are being led by the shepherd. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. And I just use that word for alliteration purposes also, amen? It's the church people. It's, it's, it's God's people, the congregation. What is he saying? First, he addresses your attitude. First, he addresses your attitude. And what kind of attitude is he looking for? A humble attitude. You me tell you why there's so many church splits and fights and, 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 and disagreements and arguments and all this kind of stuff? It's usually not over doctrine. I would say, I would say 95% of the time it's not over doctrine. It's because somebody has taken God's word and perverted God's word. It's never over doctrine. It's usually over preferences. It's usually over temperaments. It's usually over bad attitudes. It's usually the fact, I want what I want, and I want it my way. Well, guess what? This ain't Burger King. Y'all with me? Where did humility go? Where did Christ-likeness go? Does the Bible not say, let this mind, way of thinking, way of thinking, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I'm talking about the highest being, God, the creator of the world, who spoke this world into existence. The creator became the creature to die for the creature. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. And we can't even humble ourselves with one another. We want our way when it comes to music. We want our way when it comes to styles. We want our way when it comes to all these things. No wonder the world looks at the church and thinks we're all hypocrites. Because we are. We want to criticize them for their sin while we're sitting in the house of God envying one another, having grudges one another, won't forgive one another, and have a, have a, a feud going on for years. Go into a bar. They can get in a knockdown, drag out, stab one another. This Friday, next Friday, they're buying each other drinks. You sit in granny spot this week, and you're hated till Jesus comes in the church. I told you, I'm getting it all out today. Every cockroach, I'm going to get them all out the house of God today. We're just going to deal with them all. Tell me, ain't here. I'm going to say what I want to say. Amen. <laughs> See, in North Carolina, she don't know nothing. <laughs> I, I have to be just a little humorous because this is so sad. Churches are falling apart. The American church is on a downhill slide. I mean, it is dying. And you say, oh, it's just the times, it's just the time. No, it's not. Then why is the church exploding in Sudan? 
The church is exploding in communist China. You know why? Because they're not spoiled brats. There is humility. There is a brokenness. There is a spirit of humility that says, listen, it's not about me. I don't have to have it my way. I don't have to. I don't have, it's, not, it's, it's, it's all good. Look, look what the Bible says. It says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Why? Because God resisteth the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I don't know about y'all, but I don't need anybody resisting me, especially God. I need God's favor. I need God's touch. I need God's help. I need God's presence and his power. And let me tell you something. God will never hang around an arrogant person. God will never hang around a selfish person. But he's attracted to humility. Y'all remember when Martha run to Jesus? Y'all remember when Martha run to Jesus? When, when Jesus spent too much time, she thought. She ran to Jesus and got in Jesus' face. And said, if you'd been here, my brother had not died. Got in his face. And you know what she got? A lecture. He's going to be all right. That's kind of cold, ain't it? Your brother's dead. And Jesus says, he'd be all right. I mean, that's, think about it. Use your imagination. Well, I know he's going to be all right in the resurrection. That's what I've been trying to tell you. I am the resurrection. The whole purpose of this whole thing is so you can see that I am the resurrection. She got a lecture. Now, I'm trying to make a point here. I'm trying to make a point. Mary, Martha's sister, came out to Jesus. And you know she said the exact same thing. The exact same thing. The exact Are y'all listening? In the balcony, they're not getting with me. The exact same thing. You say, well, what was the difference? What was the difference? Did she get a lecture? Uh Uh-uh. She didn't get a lecture. You know what she got? Take me to him. Well, what in the world? Why didn't Martha get a lecture and Mary get a response? Because the Bible says that Mary fell at his all about attitude some of y'all are too busy getting in Jesus' face when you need to be at his feet because when you get to his face you'll get a lecture when you go to his feet you'll get a miracle that'll preach right there I ain't gonna lie that's good stuff humility you want to get along better with your family this year Stop making it about you. Let it, be, let it be about somebody else for a change. You want to get better, uh, better along with your, your co-workers? You do your job and let God advance you or demote whoever. And quit worrying about what everybody else is doing. Humility. He talks about their attitude. He talks about their attitude, but then he talks about their anxieties. He talks about their anxieties. He says, casting all your care, casting all your care 
upon him, for he careth for you. Oh, this is a, this is a play in words, and it's really good. That first care, <clears throat> that first care means distractions. It means disturbances. It means things that break you, things that bother you, things that make you cry, things that are painful, things that are hurtful, things that are distracting you from the path that you're on. He said, take your pain, take your hurt, take your problems. And he says, cast it upon me. You with me? Now, now, there's a casting process. Casting means to throw and let go. Throw and... See, the problem is, is we're throwing... And we're saying, oh, God, take this. Oh, God, take this. Oh, God, take this. And he's saying, okay. But you got to let it go. Casting, throw and let go. Casting, throw and let go. Cast all of your problems, all of your fears, all of your issues, all of the things that are breaking you, all of the things that are bothering you, all of the things that are hurting you. Put it upon him, he says. Then it says this. This is a little tag. For he careth for you. Man, if you'll get a strong concordance and look up that second word, careth, this is what it means. It matters. Okay. It matters. What does that mean? It matters whether you're hurting to him. It matters whether you're broken. It matters whether you're afraid. It matters whether something's harming you in your life. It matters to him. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are. We have a high priest. We have a Savior. We have a God. We have a friend in heaven. Who cares that I am hurting? Who cares that I am crying? Who cares that I am broken? Who cares that I am needy? Listen, when his, when his disciples cried out in the ship and said, We're going to die, he stood up and said, Peace be still. You know why? It matters to him. When Stephen was being stoned, Jesus, listen, Stephen looked up through the clouds and Jesus was standing at the right hand of the Father because it matters to him. Cast your cares on him. Cast your problems on him. Cast your issues on him. Don't carry him around and worry about him all the time. Don't don't carry him around and try to fix him on your own. Don't carry him around and think you've got the answer to him. Just give him to him and let him take care of it. Cast all your care. Upon him, for he careth for you. He deals with their attitude. He deals with their anxieties. But now he deals with their adversary. He says, and be careful. Be sober. Be vigilant. Means be aware. Means alert. Sober, awake. Because you got an enemy. You don't realize you got one, but you got one. He hates you. He's out to destroy you. He's called a murderer. He's called a deceiver. He's a father of lies. And he's roaming about. Roaming, seeking. Roaming, seeking. Roaming, seeking. Who does the lion seek for? The weak. The lion always, he singles out the sick. And let me say this. Can I say this? Can I say this? 
Do you know who he's after? The one that's out of the flock. There's safety and protection in the flock. But when you get singled out, so I don't need church, I don't need church. Isn't it amazing that the primary responsibility of the shepherd is to feed the sheep, but the sheep don't think it's very necessary to come and eat it? That's amazing to me. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. This going to church thing, it's not an option. You need this. And, and listen, you, all y'all going around putting on Facebook, you don't have to go to church to be a good Christian? Yes, you do. Because the Bible says so. Don't forsake this assembly. Why? But that's where you go and feed on God's Word. What do you get when you feed on God's Word? You get strength and you get stamina. You get ability. You get wisdom to know how to fight the adversary. Because whether you come to church or not, he's looking. And he's seeking out those who have singled themselves out, those who are sick or those who are weak, those who are astray. And I'm telling you, they are in danger of the adversary. Be careful. Be careful. Say, preacher, what's the point? I know that, that, that line's out there. I'm going to be in the middle of the pack. He's going to get somebody else where he gets me. Say amen. I'm going to be as close to the shepherd as I can. Why? Because it says, because thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Amen. Say, how in the world does a rod comfort you? Because it'll beat the devil out of the devil. Say Amen. It's the same principle as why my uh, uh, Springfield uh, 9 millimeter beside my desk, it comforts me. <clears throat> because if somebody breaks in, I'm more comforted with it there than if it wasn't there. Say amen. Yeah. How many of y'all are glad that the Lord can beat the devil out of the devil? Yeah. You have an adversary. Whether you want to believe it or not, you have an adversary. Let me give you these three things. I'm out of time. I didn't run over time. But I stayed in the area, say man. I'm out of time. Here's the deal. Now he talks about the Lord. <clears throat> Look what he says about the Lord. Verse 10. Let's hurry. Let's hurry. Let's hurry. Verse 10. But the God of all grace. That is so great. Read that. But the. God of all say it again. But the. God of all we see his person. His person. He's the God of all grace. Who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect. Make you perfect. That's his plan. See, we see his person, then we see his plan. The word perfect there means complete. It means mature. It's the word we use over in Ephesians chapter 4 where it says that God has given us the, uh, the, the five offices that are in the church and, and he gives us for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edification of the body of Christ, the perfecting, the completing, the maturing. It says, what, what, is, what is God doing? He's using all this stuff, all of the suffering, all of the difficulty, all the good, all the bad to perfect you, to strengthen, establish, and settle you. What's the point? The moment you got saved, you became His. And He's got a plan for your life. You get that? Whether you want it or not, He's going to fulfill it. He's gonna, if you don't have enough patience, guess what? He's going to bring some tribulation. If you don't have enough love, guess what? He's going to put you around some unlovable people. So you can love them like Jesus did. You say, I don't know why I'm around these bunch of jerks. There's a reason. 
There's a reason. If you don't have enough patience, he's going to give you problems until you develop patience. Why? He's trying to strengthen, establish, and settle you. And I'm sad to say, the only, the only way we can be matured is through difficulty. So what you're going through now is not because he hates you. It's because he loves you. And he's trying to make you better. It's kind of like the physical therapist. When you've gone through surgery, maybe a knee replacement or whatever, they're, they're making you do stuff that's kind of painful, but they know it's for your best benefit. And God knows that some of the stuff that you're going to go through, some of this persecution, some of this suffering that you have to experience is, is difficult and it's painful. But he knows this. It's going to establish you, it's going to settle you, and it's going to strengthen you. Amen. Because he would rather have you uncomfortable and mature than comfortable and immature. God has a plan for your life. You can look back now over 2016 and you can think, why in God's name do I have to go through that? And there's a reason. And guess what? We're going to have some stuff in 2017. But know this, if we allow God to do his work, we'll be stronger on the other end than on the beginning. Somebody say amen. amen. Then lastly, we can't, we, can't, we can't stop without this one. We see his person, we see his plan, then we see his praise. Let's all say verse 11. Let's all say verse 11 while we're standing. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I see we can't stand and talk at the same time. <laughs> Let's go, stand first and then we'll talk. Amen. Let's try this again. Can we, can we have this? To him. Say that with me. Come on, say it again. If we get that, all the rest of us be easy. Being humble with our spouses. Being humble with our co-workers, if we can understand this is about him and not us, we'll be able to do that. Amen. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. You know what we need to make 2017 about? Yeah. And all God's people say it. Amen. Hey, let's make it a good one. It could be the one he comes back in. Wouldn't that be great? Amen. Lord, thank you for your blessing, your mercy.